Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. I believe it was David who said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Can you finish that for me? I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. We're here to rejoice in the Lord today. Thank you so much for allowing us to come, although many of you probably didn't know I was coming or invite me to come, but uh, thank you for being so gracious as to uh, welcoming us here today. Pastor Tony, thank you so much for inviting us. This church is uh, very near and dear to us. Normally right now, as a missionary, I would go into my, um, I take off my one hat and put on my promotion hat and tell you all the things that we are doing over in Thailand, but I just want to say thank you for not only inviting us to come be a part of this church, but because of uh, having church service online every week, uh, we are able to enter into worship from a distance with you. When we're in Thailand, we're able to hear the word. We're able to worship with you uh, through video, through the wonders of video. We're able to see some of our friends and, and family in the video during church. It's not quite the same. So if you're, if you're um, well, you wouldn't be listening. This Is this service videotaped or the second service? The second service. Okay. Well, I guess I can say whatever I want in this one. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Suffice to say, the writer of Hebrews said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, especially when the time of the Lord, the day of the Lord is near. So there's nothing quite like being in the presence of people, is there? Nothing quite like it. So I just want to say thank you so much. I would like to share I could talk for hours, but we don't have hours. I would love to share all the great things. I'd love to brag on Jesus just a little bit and what he is doing in uh, Southeast Asia. But for the sake of time, we won't do that. I'll get with you at another time, and we'll do that. We're going to be, well, we're going to be in the United States for a couple months, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be in Meridian for a couple months. But uh, God's doing great things. The benefit of being... In, uh, in America now is that the churches that we oversee, the leaders that we oversee in Thailand are 14 hours ahead of us. So I already this morning heard all the testimonies, all the good reports of what God has already done on Sunday morning in Thailand because it's Sunday night. And so I, this morning I received message after message of this this many people were baptized today, and this many new believers have come into the kingdom, and all these things. We're making plans to build a new church in the, the little village of Malau because we have another 100. Uh, in fact, we have 100% of the village is now believers, and that's 100. So we need the church building. These are good reports. These are great things that are happening. So um, let me just say thank you to this congregation. Pastor Ralph, I believe it was about nine years ago that we were introduced and uh, we came to Legacy for the first time. And um, 
it's been, yeah, it's been nine years since we lived over in Chiang Mai, and uh, we came back here. Let me just tell you, when you invest in, thank you so much for your prayers. First of all, your prayers, you have no idea. When you're prompted by the Holy Ghost to say a prayer for Pastor Ray and Misty that are over in Thailand, whatever time that is, please listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And pray. You have no idea what that does for us. So we thank you for your prayers. We also thank you for your financial support. Legacy Church has been unique from the beginning because they take care of us. You take care of us personally. Most people, most churches, most individuals, they will um, give to projects, and that's wonderful. Building churches, equipping orphanages, and and, uh, all the great things that God is doing in Southeast Asia. But from the beginning, the leadership of this church has taken care of Misty and I, and we thank you for that. Pay for our insurance, little things that most people don't think about. And you have no idea how important that is. Take care of our insurance, take care of our, our, our personal needs, and so we appreciate every month, faithfully, when you give to this church. That's why we say, when you're giving, to missions, give through the local church. You know, don't, you don't need to, you know, do it under the table and here, Pastor, I want to give, I want to give, give through your local church. They are ethical about it. They're good stewards of the word of the finances for the work of the Lord. So we thank you so much. Again, I could say I could talk for a long time. And I'm not going to do that. I said that three times now. <laughs> but there is a... I'm just so excited about what Jesus is doing. My mind is spinning with some of the reports that I've already heard today. So I'd love to share. Uh, but we're going into the Word of the Lord today. And uh, I want to continue this series that Pastor Tony started last month. And in fact, circle back if it's okay. And uh, the very first message about four weeks ago, he talked about the source of abiding, what we are abiding in. Of course, the Word of God. But I want to talk to us a little bit about the importance of abiding in the presence of God. What an opportunity. And thank you, worship team. That was outstanding. You ushered us into the presence of God today. It, it's good if you uh, will worship the Lord with all your heart and lead others into the presence of God. It's really good if you have the gifting to do that. There's certain people that operate in, they, they want to serve God in everything, but they're not necessarily gifted in a particular area. Well, everybody that was up here today was gifted anointed by God to do what they were doing, and I appreciate that. Can we give a hand to our worship team today? Thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Well, today I want to go to a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter number 4 and verse number 12. I'm just going to read this to you, and then we'll expound on it a little bit. It's on the screen if you don't have a Bible. 
And as an old school Pentecostal preacher always does, they read the text before they begin to preach. It says, a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the same day. His clothes were torn. He had dirt on his head. When he arrived, Eli, who was the high priest, was sitting on the seat by the road watching. Everyone say watching. Watching. For his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told the news, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the sound of the outcry, he said, what is this uproar? Then the man hurried and came and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were set so he could not see. Turn to your neighbor and say he was blind. I thought you said he was watching. (laughs) Why is a blind man watching for anything? What could be so important? And the man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. And he said, how did it go, my son? Anticipation. And he who brought the news answered him a four-part message. He said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great defeat among the people. And your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God has been captured. As soon as he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backwards from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel for 40 years. Wow, what an exciting, encouraging message, a word from the Lord today. What in the world is Ray going to talk about today? Lord, we thank you so much for your word. It gives us light, gives us direction. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We ask you today to speak through the servant today. Help us to hear through the filter of the Holy Spirit. Help us to hear exactly what each of us needs to hear today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me briefly give you the backstory for this wonderful, exciting story that we read to you today. The people of Israel had gone into battle against the nation of the Philistines. And they were excited because of past victories that they had won. And so they went into this battle all fired up, ready to win the victory. And they were soundly defeated. In fact, the scripture says in chapter 3 that there was 4,000 soldiers of the Israeli army that were killed that day. And so they returned to the camp and they went to the elders and said, why did this happen? What's going on? Why do we have defeat? We've had victory after victory after victory. Why suddenly have we been defeated? What can we do differently? The elders of Israel said, maybe it was because we didn't consult God before we went to battle. And here's what we should do. We should take the Ark of the Covenant, that box representing the presence of God, and let's take it into the next battle tomorrow. See, they had their hearts and their minds in the right place, but they went to the Ark and they put their trust in the box representing the presence of God instead of consulting God himself. 
And the scripture says that they went into the battle the next day. And this time we read the results of the battle. Not 4,000 people were defeated, but 30,000 soldiers died on the battlefield that day. And here comes the messenger who runs from the battle. He survives the battle and runs to the camp of the Israeli uh, people. And he, he says, I got to tell you what has happened. 30,000 people. Let me find the man of God. Let me find the leader of this nation today. And I, I need to tell him what's happening. And so he brings to Eli, the high priest, he brings him a four part message. Eli says, tell me what has happened, my son. And he says, first of all, Israel has fled from the Philistines. We ran away from the battle. And then he pauses for a reaction from the man of God. Now, I've been in church all my life, coming on to 60 years. And I've been preaching the word of God for close to 40 years. If there's anything I've learned from this word and from the church of the living God is that the people of God are not about fleeing from the battle. We're not about running when times get tough because we know who is on our side. The psalmist said, the Lord is on my side. I will not be afraid. Isaiah said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. All who rise up against us shall fall. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Paul wrote to the church at Rome. He said, if God be for us, who can be against us? He said, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. What I'm saying is this. Eli should have said something. When the messenger said, we ran from the battle, we ran from the enemy, Eli should have stopped them right there and said, that's not what we're about. That's not representing the people of God. That's not representing our Lord and our King. But he has no reaction whatsoever. So the messenger continues. Number two, he says, there's been a great slaughter. With great trepidation, he tells him, Yesterday, there was 4,000 soldiers that died, but today, I hesitate to tell you, Eli, but 30,000 men are laying dead on the battlefield. We left them behind. I went to Thailand. We've been going every year for close to 20 years now. In 2004, we had the great tsunami. But in 2014, when we flew to Thailand, on our way to live in Thailand for the first time, we have what we call six movie flights. In other words, 14 hours in one airplane, leaving Seattle and going into Chiang Mai. And one of the movies on this flight was The Impossible. And it was the documentary, it was the movie made because of the tsunami that happened in 2004 in Thailand, where we're going. <laughs> Amazing. 
why they would show that movie at that time. I turned to Misty and I said, are, you, are we really called? Over 5,000 people died in that tsunami on Christmas Day. And they have a monument down there in Phuket, Thailand. And I was asking the, the guide there, what obviously the, the over 5,000 people, many of them, most of them, were workers that had migrated down to the islands of Phuket and the, and the Phi Islands and, and whatnot, but they live up in northern Thailand, and so they left their families. Many of them leave their kids and, and whatnot. And what was the most difficult thing for And he said, very easy answer. He said, the most difficult thing was somebody had to tell the families that their daughter, that their son, that their family, that their mother, their father, they were not coming home because they did not survive the tsunami. And so when I read this message from, it's very easy to read over it quickly and take the emotion out of what is happening in this story. But somebody's got to tell the women that your husband is not coming back from the battle. We're, we're here in Shiloh, but uh, out there in the battlefield, your son, your brother, your, your family member is laying there. They're dead. They're not coming back. And it was the priest's responsibility to tell them. Don't you think that Eli would have sobbed? No, this is terrible news. You, you can't even continue. But there's no reaction from the man of God. And so he continues. Message number three. He says, your two sons are dead. Hophni and Phinehas aren't with me. They also are laying on the battlefield. My children are my life. My family is my life. One of the hardest things about living in Southeast Asia is that when I'm there, I'm not here. And I can't be with my kids and my grandkids. I cannot imagine how I would have reacted if somebody told me this news. Some of you can very much relate to this story today because you have lost children. I guarantee you, her reaction was not like Eli's reaction. Eli, it's bad enough that you said nothing about Israel running in fear. You had no reaction to 30,000 men dying in one day. But come on, man. Your two boys are gone. Do something. Say something. Beat the ground with your fist. Do something. But there's no reaction. And so the messenger continues. And he says, and the ark of God has been captured. Verse 18 says, as soon as he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backward from his seat and broke his neck and died. Huh. The ark of God, the symbol of God's presence. In that box, about two foot by three foot, in that box was the jar of manna representing the provision of God. Inside that box were the tablets of stone representing the deliverance of God. In that box was the, uh, excuse me, the tablets of stone represented the law, the direction of God and the parameters of safety. In that box was Aaron's rod that budded representing the deliverance of God. So what Eli is doing without saying a word, he is showing us the priority 
of the presence of God. For who wants to live in a world where the presence of God is absent? My first point today is our awareness of the presence of God is most important in our life. My friends, it's a sad thing to live in fear, to run every day from the enemy, but I'm telling you, you can recover from that. You can be encouraged through the word of God, and you can recover from that. And the massive loss of life is tragic, but in time, you can continue on with life. You can make necessary changes. And as devastating as it is to lose a child, with the help of the Lord and encouragement from those that are around you, eventually you can learn to live again. But to lose the presence of God, to know that you cannot turn to God for help, for comfort, for assurance, that, my friend, is total hopelessness. No wonder David wrote after his sinful actions, he wrote the Psalm 51. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. I'll paraphrase just a little bit, but David said, take my kingdom. You can take my title. You can take my riches. You can take my dreams, even take my family from me. But please, Lord, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. The priority of the presence of the Lord. This scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 4 continues in verse 19. It says that when the daughter-in-law of Eli, the wife of Phinehas, who was pregnant when she was about to give birth, At this same day, when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, here's what they said to her. The midwife said to her, don't be afraid. In spite of all the news that we've heard today, you've given birth to a son. But listen, she didn't answer, she didn't pay attention, and she named the child Ichabod. Everyone say Ichabod. Ichabod. I I wanted to lighten the mood just a little bit after what I've been preaching to you. Ichabod, it's just a fun name to say, Ichabod, but the meaning of it in the Hebrew is not much much fun to say. Ichabod, meaning the glory of God has departed from Israel. Mothers, can you imagine giving birth to a son, to a girl, to a baby? Yeah, I know. They tell me it's difficult. It's painful. I believe it. (laughs) But there's something about a mother's face after she's giving birth and they take that little baby and she holds it in the arms. Guys, we have no idea. We only take their word for it. But there's some, you've given, and the, and the ladies that are around her and say, hey, it's a boy, it's a boy. I know you've heard some devastating things, but it's a boy, it's going to be okay. Can you imagine reacting the way she did? She didn't even regard it. In fact, she named it what was on her mind. In her last Life, uh, when she was breathing her last breaths of life, 
She named him Ichabod. And her mind, her husband had died. Her father-in-law had died. Her friends had died. She's gone through the pains of childbirth. She's about to die herself. And her only response to all the tragedy of this day is just to lament the loss of God's presence. Once again, it shows us the priority of the presence of God. Ichabod, the glory of God, has left us. Folks, this tragic story reminds us all of the priority of God's presence, the awareness of God's presence, and I don't ever want to lose the presence of God in my life. Let me tell you this, and let me encourage you this way. In this life, you will face difficulty. An authority no less than Jesus Christ himself said, in this life, you will have tribulation. You will have difficulty. You will have pain. You will face extremely challenging days. The only difference between the characters of 1 Samuel chapter 4 and us that are here today is found in one word. In fact, it's in one name, Jesus Jesus. You see, in the Old Testament, only one man once a year could enter into the holy place, into the presence of God. And the high priest would enter into that holy place and sprinkle blood on the ark for the rolling ahead of the sins of the people. But I want you to hear these comforting words from the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter number nine and verse 11 and 12. He says, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he has entered the most holy place once and for all time and secured our redemption forever. Did you hear the word of the Lord today? Can I continue just a little bit? In chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews says it like this. So, dear brothers and sisters, we, let me say it to you today, my dear brothers and sisters, we can enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house. Here it is. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with the blood of Christ to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. My friends, we have access into the presence of God because of Jesus Christ. I understand the hopelessness of Eli. I understand the despair of his daughter-in-law in the Old Testament, but you and I do not face the same despair this morning. Because of Jesus, we can enter into the presence of God. We have a reason to rejoice. We do. I'm glad two or three of you agree with me today. <laughs> I told you I'm old school Pentecost. We were a part of the Church of God in Christ, the black Pentecostal organization when I was a kid. And I'm used to hearing it every once in a while. I know it's been a long time, but I'm used to hearing it. If you agree, you might say amen every once in a while. Or hallelujah. If you don't agree, you might say, oh, me. <laughs> so how do we enter into God's presence? 
Well, there's several ways. First of all, prayer. Why we talk to God. Secondly, reading his word, meditating on the Bible where he talks to us. Number three, what we've done today and the worship team has done, ushered us into the presence of God through worship, through praise and worship. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. So we worship him. There are other ways. When we gather together with people of like faith and encourage each other, what we're doing here today. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm right there with you. So by fellowshipping with each other, we access the presence of God. There's another way, by serving. When we serve someone, believer or non-believer, when we minister to someone, when we disciple someone, Jesus said, I believe it was in Matthew chapter 25, he said, if you give somebody something to eat that, doesn't, that is hungry, if you give somebody something to drink that's thirsty, if you visit them in prison, if you take care of them, they don't have any clothes, if you encourage them, guess what? You do it as unto me. In other words, when you're serving, when you're teaching the kids in Sunday school, when you're greeting people out in the parking lot, Jesus is right there alongside of you. That's how we access the presence of God. So, so if, my question is this. If this is true, why don't we spend more time in God's presence? Don't really have time to get into the nitty-gritty of this because I'm very aware of what time it is. But sometimes I think we don't spend a lot of time in the presence of God because we don't really want God to mess with us. If I'm in the presence of God, how do you know the Holy Spirit will get up in your business? Yeah. If we pray like David, search me, oh God, know my heart. You know, I'm just quoting scripture now, Lord. He'll search you. He'll shine that light of his word into your life. He'll reveal some of our attitudes and our motives and insecurities and self-deceptions. And so what do we do? We run as fast as we can. After all, we're serving him. He knows how busy I am. We can be so busy serving the Lord that we don't know the Lord that we're serving. Uh, I, like I said, I don't have time to really get into that. But people that are secure in God, that have been abiding in God's presence, that are secure in their love relationship with God, are not hateful people. They're not defensive. They're not critical. So what do we do? We run from what we need the most. We run from whom we need the most in this world, and that's the presence of God. You see, this ark represented symbolized the presence of God. So God gave the Jewish people a tangible object, a piece of furniture, if you will, to make them aware of God's presence. But you know, God's presence had never left them. Maybe the ark, the box was taken from them, but the presence of God wasn't taken from them because the psalmist said in Psalm 
46, God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in trouble, in times of trouble, in times of panic, in times of fear, in times of need. It's not that God's out there and he rushes to our aid in those times, but it's that in those turbulent times, we become more keenly aware of the presence of God. When we need his calming presence, when he brings peace to the tumultuous storm, when he brings healing to the broken body, we're aware of the presence of God. And so 1 Samuel chapter 4 presents us with a few questions. Number one, what happened to the orphan named Ichabod? What happened to him? Number two, what happened to the ark? of God. And number three, what does this mean for us today? Well, we find the name Ichabod only one other time in Scripture. First of all, can you imagine being named Ichabod? Now, we say Ichabod, but the meaning of that name. When people looked at this boy growing up, and then they called him to come to them, they literally said, the glory of God is gone. You talk about a candidate for depression. Every time that boy walked into the room, it reminded the people of Israel of their worst day. It reminded them. It brought back all the memories of what happened that day. It brought back the rebellion, the disobedience. It brought back the loss of life. It brought back all these memories. I wonder Everyone that saw him had a living reminder of the worst day of their life. Don't raise your hand, but do you ever feel like this? Life is tough. Life is difficult. And we don't know what happened to him. His name is only mentioned one other time in the Bible. I can imagine this boy growing up without parents. Growing up with that label, that stigma on his life. But in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 2 and 3, it says that King Saul was sitting under, I love the description that the writer gives to us. He was sitting under not just a tree, but it was a pomegranate tree. I guess we could break that down if we wanted to. We don't have time today, but the people that were with him were about 600 men. Also with him was Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, who was Ichabod's brother, the son of Phineas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, and he was wearing an ephod. So this guy, Ahijah, is now the priest. Wait, Ichabod had a brother? Ichabod the orphan? Ichabod, whose life represented depression, and a living reminder of the worst thing and the worst day of Israel's life. He had a brother. Not only that, but his name was Ahitub. You know what Ahitub means in the Hebrew language? Brother of goodness. Brother of goodness. So in the same house, in the same conditions, in the same family, another boy was growing up and his name was brother of goodness. People would rather focus on the negative. It's been said that 
bad news flies around the world before good news gets its coat on. And when I tell people all the good things that God is doing in Thailand, do you know what generally people say? Two years ago, I was telling them, they baptized over 1,000 people in one day during COVID. You know what they said? How's COVID affecting the nation of Thailand? Come on, man. Think about this. I'm telling you about the goodness of God. People see Ichabod and they begin to cry. The entire time, goodness was growing stronger and stronger and in the house of the Lord. Point number two is this. God's goodness is always present with us. Now you can sit there and complain. You can sit there and talk about all the bad things that are happening in your life. But as for me, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. It's time to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. First Chronicles says it like this. Let your saints rejoice in goodness. Psalm 23, we like the quote that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It ends by saying, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You cannot change the past. And what you do in the present will only influence what you have in the future. So the best thing we can do today is to do today. Don't replay yesterday. Don't speculate about tomorrow. But think about something positive, something good. Choose to focus on the goodness of God. Years later, David has killed Goliath. And he's made a a name for himself. And King Saul, in a jealous rage, is hunting David down to try to kill him. David comes to a priest at the city of Nob. The man's name is Ahimelech. David is tired. He's hungry. He doesn't have a weapon. Ahimelech gives him holy bread to eat. And he gives him the sword of Goliath. The enemy that David has killed in his past. David said, this is perfect. I've got bread to eat. I've got the weapon of my past enemy. Do you know who Ahimelech was? In 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 9 and 10 tells us Ahimelech was the son of Ahitub, the brother of goodness, the grandson of Eli, the man of God, still carrying in the, the career of the family, if you will. He's still the high priest. He's still, it reminds us that the goodness of God continues to show up when it's needed the most. Well, we don't hear of Ichabod ever again. Once again, the goodness of God shows up when it's needed the most. It reminds us that when you're most desperate, when you don't complain, don't, don't get down in the, in the mully grubs, don't, don't just give, uh, give uh, don't let the enemy win the battle because of what you're saying, the negative words that you're saying, but lift up your head and look unto God because he's full of goodness. Let me wrap this up today. I know what time it is, but our second question is, what happened to the ark? Short of giving you an entire history lesson today, the Philistines only had it for seven months because they couldn't handle the presence of God. <laughs> they took it to the city of Ashdod, and, and there's a whole bunch of things that happened there. We can't talk about it, but 
They took it to the city of Gath, where Goliath was from. They took it to Ekron. Finally, they said, I'm sending it back to Israel. We can't handle the presence of God. And it remained in storage in Israel for over 20 years. But fast forward, and David now has become new king over united Israel. And his first order of business is to bring the ark back. But David is unaware of the proper protocol for transporting the ark. And so 1 Chronicles 13 tells us what he does. His heart is right. He, you know, he's thinking it through. I, I've got to bring the presence of God. What has Saul been thinking for 20 years? It's been out there in storage, covered by dust. I've got to bring the ark back into the city. That's the first thing I've got to do. And so he's got music and he's got singing. But he's transporting the ark of God, not the way that God told him to, on the shoulders of the priest. But now it's on a car being pulled by oxen. Another horrific story. I'm sorry I'm sharing all these, but a man by the name of Uzzah, of all things, he, he sees what's happening. He's along, and he's, he's got his eye on the, the ark of God, you know, and, and one of the oxen steps in a hole and stumbles, and he, he reaches out to steady it so the ark doesn't fall, and God strikes him dead. Wow, positive words on a Sunday morning. <laughs> There's a reason I tell you this. Because in verse 13 and 14, it says that David refused to move the ark with him into the city of David. But he placed it into the house of Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom. Everybody say Obed-Edom. Another funny sounding name. But it specifically says he was a Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Obed-Edom, a Gittite from the city of Gath, a Philistine. Where have we heard this before? Oh, yeah. Goliath, the giant that David killed, was a Gittite from the city of Gath and a Philistine. What I'm telling you is this. Obed-Edom was not even a Jew. He was a Philistine, and the Lord blessed him anyway. <laughs> I'm wrapping it up. In fact, worship team, if you could come back up while I make my last point. Point number three is that if you will invite the presence of God into your house, the Lord will transform your life. Yes. Now, I want you to put yourself in the sandals of Obed-Edom. The Philistines had a history with the ark of God. They were struck down with all kinds of ailments when they captured the presence of God, the ark of God, back in 1 Samuel chapter number 5. And now he had just seen a man fall over dead just because he touched this thing. And now it's in your house? What would your reaction be to this new piece of furniture? Pastor Tony, you talk about going to Ikea and having to assemble. This was already assembled. It was already assembled with fear and trepidation. The wife comes into the house and she said, hey, Obed, what's this new piece of... Don't go near that. Kids, don't touch it. I don't know how long it's going to be here. 
how do you, in the way they lived, how do you keep the kids away from this? What are you going to set the TV on? Where are you going to put the dinner food? You got to stay away from this box because people die when they get near this box. But the scripture says for three months, it was in his house and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and everything that he had. Today, if you will bring the presence of God into your house, he will bless you. Now, don't wait until Sunday morning. Every day, be aware of the presence of God in your life. Every day. Don't wait for the pastor to say an encouraging word to you. I, I heard someone this week say, I have to be in the right mood to worship the Lord. Where does it say that in the Bible? It's a commandment to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise. For three months, this was in his house. And so David says, now I'm going to do it right. I've got three months to do the research. I've had three months to gather everybody together. This is how we do it. The high priests need to carry it on their shoulders. We need to have musicians out front. We need to have singers behind. We need, we're going to have a parade all the way into Jerusalem. In fact, I'm going to lead it with singing and dancing myself. I don't care if I'm the king. I don't care if my wife likes what I'm doing. This is how we're going to do it. And I need some volunteers. Pastor Tony talked to us today. We need some volunteers. We need some servants. Well, I'm going to give you a hint and how you will volunteer. Bring the presence of God into your house. Because here's what he does. And I don't have time to go through each and every verse. But in First Chronicles, it talks about this. In chapter 15, David basically makes an appeal. He says, first of all, if we're going to do this right, I'm going to need some singers. So some people raise their hands. In the mix, the first person to raise their hand, Obed-Edom. I can do that. I can sing. He says, okay, we got the singers covered. And now I'm going to need some musicians. I'm going to need some instruments. I'm going to need some guitar players. I'm going to need some drummers. I'm and the first one to raise his hand, verse 21, Obed-Edom. I can do that. I can play an instrument. Then he says, okay, we got that covered. We're going to need some doorkeepers. We're going to need somebody to guard the ark. Verse 24 says, listed in the people that raised their hands, Obed-Edom. I'll do it. I'll do it. Then he says, I need some praisers. In chapter 16, verse 5, I need somebody to praise the Lord. If you don't, can't do anything else, if you can't play an instrument, if you can't sing, if you can't guard the ark, I just need somebody that can praise the Lord. Say, God is good all the time. I worship you. I praise you. God. Oh, but Edom says, I can do that. I can do that. After only three months with the presence of God in his house, it blessed Obed-Edom so much. He's volunteering for everything just so he can stay with the ark, just so he can stay in the presence of God. Hear me, folks. If you will make the presence of God priority in your life, he will transform your life. Prayer won't be difficult. Worship won't be difficult. Serving God won't be difficult. Serving people will not be a challenge. It will be a joy. They, you will say like David, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. One final point before I step aside. Sorry, I'm talking so long today. Uh, 
In 1 Chronicles 26, David gives instructions to his son Solomon to build the temple. And he says, all these things need to be done. Who will be the gatekeepers for the ark? Verse 4 says that there were eight sons of Obed-Edom that volunteered to be gatekeepers of the house of God. More specifically, the ark, the presence of God. Why? Because God had blessed him with his presence. Verse 18 says there were 62 sons and grandsons of Obed-Edom, able men with strength for the work, guarding the ark. If you would bring the presence of God, not just bring your kids to church, but bring the presence of the Lord into your house. God will bless you and all that you have. Can we stand here today? You say, well, I I get it now. I need to be more aware of the presence of God. How do I practically do that? How do I do that? Well, let me close in my third and final closing with this. Let me just give you three really easy steps that have worked for me. We talk about, well, I, I need to, you need to start your day with prayer and Bible study and Bible reading and all that. I know everybody's in a different season of your life. That's very challenging for most, most of you today to, to start your day off right. You're just lucky to get out of bed and make a cup of coffee and, and whatnot. But how about before you lay your head down at night? Number one, just reflect on the day and thank God for that day no matter what that day looked like, and be aware not only of God's presence in that day, but of his actions in that day. Where was God involved in my life this day? And then number two, be honest about your feelings and your emotions during this reflection time and let God's presence allow those emotions to come to the surface. And as those emotions surface. Pray for God's help in dealing with those emotions, those feelings. Like David said, he poured out his heart to God. And then listen to the response of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, number three, ask God, what can I learn from today that will make tomorrow better? How can I become more aware in the moment instead of only looking back in reflection to where God was involved in my day. Let's close our eyes and pray before the worship team leads us in another song. Lord, we thank you so much for your word today. Your presence fills the universe. And you're here right now in this room. And I pray that you would help us to be encouraged by this word. Help us to be more aware of what you are doing through us and help us to join you in that work we pray today in jesus name amen thank you once again for joining us today we hope today's message encouraged you challenged you and caused your faith to grow if you enjoyed today's message we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast that way you don't miss out on any future messages 
get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.